0: You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production.
1: On January 20th, 1994, strange things started happening at Toronto Airport Vineyard, a small Christian church near the end of a runway at Toronto Pearson International Airport.
0: People couldn't even walk to the front. They were just knocked to the floor underneath their chairs all over the building.
1: During that Thursday evening service, right around the corner from Canada's busiest airport, Pastor John Arnott handed the microphone over to his invited guest speaker.
2: Right at that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit exploded across the room.
1: His guest was a Missouri pastor named Randy Clark.
3: Pay attention to your emotions and pay attention to your body. We don't want any cursey drops.
2: And the room erupted into people falling, shaking, laughing,
0: crying, screaming.
1: There were 130 or so people in the room that night. And at the end of Randy Clark's sermon, nearly every single one of them fell to the ground. And this was only the beginning. That day, January 20th, 1994, was day one of a 12 and a half year long revival.
0: Something's happening in our church. This is revival, this is incredible.
1: (laughs) Within this wing of the Christian church, revivals are a time of renewal or restoration for a congregation or maybe a connected group of churches. A revival for our purposes is like a tidal wave of religious enthusiasm. It starts suddenly and it can last days, weeks, months, or even years. And the iconic features of these kinds of historical religious events include mass conversions, reports of healing. I thank God that I've had a chance to see a miracle from heaven. Oh, glory to God tonight. And revivals also include extremely bizarre behavior by worshipers. And heads up, you're going to hear a lot of unusual sounds during this podcast. But I promise you, everything you'll hear, every single moment, is an authentic recording of genuine worship. This was an event, but it turned into a movement that the media quickly dubbed the Toronto Blessing. And over the course of those 12 and a half years... It involved increasingly bizarre phenomena that spread from Toronto to other churches around the world. It even spread to my childhood church in Prince Rupert, British Columbia.
0: Please welcome Miss Tara Jean Stevens.
1: A few years ago, I shared the story of my religious upbringing on stage at The Flame. It's a live storytelling night in Vancouver. It was the first time I shared this story publicly and it was extremely cathartic. My church was the Prince Rupert Pentecostal Tabernacle in Prince Rupert, British Columbia. Prince Rupert is a small, isolated town on the north coast of BC. It's almost as far north as you can get on the BC coast before you reach the Alaska panhandle. Actually, we could see Alaska from my kitchen. You could see our church, too. We sang, we prayed, we had potlucks danced in the aisles, and we laid hands on each other in prayer. And this church was everything to me. I was there five to six days a week um, in services. I went to the Christian school, which was in the converted warehouse on the church property. But in the mid-90s, I would have been 14, 15 years old, rumors were spreading from church to church that age-old prophecies were finally coming true. A great revival had begun. I remember hearing some of the adults talking about it. Something about how God had chosen some small church in Ontario as the birthplace. So not only had the revival started in Canada, it was spreading to B.C. And I was a teenager at the time. So our youth group services got pretty wild. They got even more wild when we joined up with other teenagers from other communities across the BC uh, area and Yukon who had also received the fire. We would go to places like Terrace, Kitimat, smithers Praise <laughs> God. But sometimes we would take road trips and a bus and we would go down to Kamloops and Kelowna. Kelowna was crazy. There was this one time, I don't know if you know Kelowna, they have a big ice rink there, and there were thousands of teenagers just praising God, and screaming, and shouting, and shaking, and falling down on the ground, and having laughing fits, and holding each other up, and barking like dogs. (laughs) I never barked like a dog, (laughs) but I did speak in tongues, and cry, and shake. And in one of the cologne services, I was shaking and crying so violently that a man from another church who didn't know me, he came up and tried to cast a demon out of me. (gasps) And my pastor... I was thinking, I don't think she's got a demon. He kind of knew that I was, you know, just really susceptible to the drama of the situation. <laughs> and he got into an argument with this man over whether or not I had a devil or a demon. <laughs> and all I can remember is loving it. attention. <laughs> it's been more than two decades since that time in my life, and I haven't been to church since I was 19. I've just hit my 40s, so it's been a while. But I've never stopped wondering what that was all about, like, really about. Was there something supernatural going on when we shook and fell to the ground? When I spoke in tongues, was that just gibberish? Did anyone really get healed, like John Arnott and his wife Carol said they did?
3: Problems in the neck be healed, in the spine, in the hips, in the kidneys, in the lungs.
2: Severe allergies that you're breaking out and you're in a rash and you can't eat anything, that is being healed right now. Just reach up and grab it in Jesus' name, be healed.
1: And I've waited my whole adult life to get to the bottom of one of my most curious memories from that time, It's of someone in my church, recently returned from Toronto, showing us a gold tooth that she said God had miraculously placed in her mouth.
3: So it's very common and was part of the culture of the time is, okay, get the flashlights out, look in everybody's mouth and see if anything happened. And that's when we discovered that our daughter, Johanna, had received a gold tooth.
1: I've obviously got a lot of questions and I'm clearly working through something personal and important in my life, but I thought you might want to join me while I do it. I'm going to follow my curiosity and figure out for myself what if any of the Toronto Blessing movement was real and true and what was, I don't know, what was pretend? I'll talk to believers, atheists, scientists, historians, and listen, here's the deal. We're all going to be hearing lots of opinions that are different from our own during this journey. But we're all just going to sit in it together and hear each other out. And along the way, I'm going to share with you some of my most curious memories from this time in my life. This is Heaven Bent, Episode One The Revival. The week of January 20th, 2019, and I've just landed at Pearson. This week marks the 25th anniversary of the night the Toronto Blessing started, and the founding leaders are hosting a four day conference to celebrate the milestone. It's called Revival 25. And I'm totally going. Let's get you up to speed on this conference. The guest speaker lineup is this who's who of Toronto blessing bigwigs. We're talking prophets, healers, visionaries, each of them with captivating backstories, powerful ministries, and intriguing spiritual practices that we'll take a closer look at later this season. While I'm in Toronto for this Revival 25 conference, I'll be staying at an airport hotel. It's just a four-minute cab ride from Pearson's main terminal. This area is considered Etobicoke, a suburb of Toronto, but it's ground zero for the Toronto blessing. On the drive from the airport to my hotel, the cab driver quickly turns on to Dixon Road. And here's what I know already. The original building where everything first broke out, that little warehouse building at the end of a runway, it was somewhere right around here, just off Dixon Road. Nothing fancy, just a 425-seat converted storefront warehouse. But within the first year of this movement, so the bulk of 94, the crowds of people trying to get in there became so large that the church rented and eventually bought a much larger facility nearby. It's called the Atwell Centre, and this is where most of the Toronto Blessing played out. Today, it's the headquarters for a now global network of revivalist churches. It features a coffee shop, a bookstore, a Bible school, and of course, a huge worship sanctuary with rows and rows of chairs and a fully decked-out stage, professional lighting, huge screens, and all the gear and instruments for a multi-piece worship band. It's also where I'll spend the next four days at this 25th Anniversary Conference. <laughs> they I know, they're coming in. All right, you can introduce yourself. Hi, my name oh, is sorry, Jim. Oh, sorry, one more time, go ahead.
0: Hi, my name is Jim Paul. I'm the pastor of uh, Eastgate Christian Fellowship in Hamilton, Ontario.
1: Right before our first conference session, I've met up with Pastor Jim Paul in the overflow section at the back of the sanctuary. He's in his late 60s, Sensible mustache and glasses, and he's one of the movement's earliest followers. During our conversation, people are rushing to their seats all around us. There's a lot of noise and commotion. People are praying, people speaking in tongues. But during my conversation with Pastor Jim Paul, you're also hearing this woman who's suddenly down on the floor by our feet. She's moaning, and her face is pressed to the floor like someone is holding her down there by force.
0: Usually it's a little quieter, but right now it's quite quite noisy already. Uh, we have about 3,000 people coming in from all the nations. Uh, 25 years ago, the Holy Spirit fell here, and and so I was a part of that first meeting 25 years ago. As a leader in the church, I was, I was a part of that.
1: I know it's a little hard to make out what Jim Paul's saying over all the noise, but he's telling me that he was a leader in the church, pretty much from the beginning, and I asked him if he remembers anything unusual about the lead-up to that meeting where everything broke out. You no,
0: know, we were just, uh, we just knew a special speaker was coming, and we knew that uh, he was to speak to us, and we knew that, that he was coming to pray for us, and so I was there as a leader in the meeting. I was told to come and be a part of it, so I was, I mean, I said, yes, sir, I'm coming. I obeyed Pastor John Arnott.
1: John Arnott and his wife, Carol. They're the founding leaders of this church and the primary leaders of this entire Toronto Blessing movement.
2: Wow, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we We love you, Jesus. With
3: all of our heart all of our soul and strength, Lord God. Ah, God. Just turn and tell somebody it feels really good to be together again like this. It's
2: really good to be together again. Come
1: on. We'll learn more about John and Carol in a moment. But for now, let's hear the rest of Pastor Jim Paul's memory of that first night.
0: I was in the meeting, 130 or so of us, and uh, j- just like they're saying in these meetings, when when the Pastor Randy Clark said, "If you want some of this, come," people couldn't even walk to the front; they were just they were just knocked to the floor, underneath their chairs, all over the building. Uh, I was there to catch people, but I didn't even know what what I was to do, and I was one of the four people that could didn't fall on the ground. I, I left the building very upset because I said, "What is this rolling and?" stuck on the floor stuff I've never seen it the noise and I said I'm out of here I don't even want to be a part of this and so I left the meeting very mad.
1: Pastor Jim Paul had seven years of seminary and theology training he'd been a Baptist minister all over Canada but this was unlike anything he says he had ever seen before and he was not pleased
0: because I preached against the holy rollers and here they were in my the, own ch- the church that my wife and I and my kids helped start so I was very upset the first night.
1: By far, Pastor Jim Paul was not the only one whose first reaction to the Toronto Blessing was negative. But after so many people in the congregation described having life-changing experiences, he gave it another chance and had a complete change of heart.
0: It's been known by missiologists uh, that those who study the, the growth of the church, that this this outpouring here in Toronto is the fastest outpouring, the fastest spread of an outpouring in the history of the world. Um, it just hit, uh, just before the internet hit, fax machines were sending invitations by fax. It just spread like wildfire. Cassette tapes, someone would bring them from a service and bring it to England and, and people would fall on the floor listening to a cassette tape. We can't explain it. All we know is that God is spreading this thing so fast that it's unstoppable.
3: I'm sure there are those of you who have been, who are here rather, for the very first time. If that's you, never been here before, but you're here tonight. Give me a massive
0: wave. All the way back, all over the welcome, place. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, my wow. goodness. Oh, my gosh. Well, wow. This is incredible, man. All
2: I can say is...
1: John and Carol are in their early 70s. Carol has a chic blonde bob and a bright smile. John? John looks like John Goodman, a big, lovable teddy bear sort of man.
3: It's been nothing sort of glorious, nothing short of glorious and amazing.
1: Back on January 20th, 1994... John and Carol were hosting Randy Clark. He's that special guest speaker from Missouri.
3: I'm going to ask Randy to get ready to come on up, and we'll turn this over to him.
1: Randy was the one on stage when people started falling to the floor and having what came to be known as carpet time. All these years later, John and Carol have invited Randy back on stage to speak again, here at Revival 25
3: you want to say yes to everything God has in your life and in your future then I want to give you 30 seconds to tell God what you want him to do to you. Hold your hands out like this. God we recognize that you're a great big God. We recognize for 25 years you've been coming and touching people of all generations. We don't want any courtesy drops. That's not God. But neither do we want any resistance. Don't try to fall.
1: Don't try to stand. Put yourself in neutral. Yes, Jesus. Within a few minutes, the sanctuary has broken out into a jungle of unusual worship sounds. Every few seconds, someone falls back in a chair or crumples to the ground. It's a total spectacle, Jesus. just like I remember. People are crying, convulsing, laughing, screaming. Listen, yes, Jesus. is that woman meowing? Jesus! Yes. I'm stepping over bodies now as I make my way from my seat to the ladies' washroom. Some of the bodies are completely still, on their faces, in the fetal position. Some of them are writhing. I feel a hand on my leg, and when I look down, there's this guy, and he's hysterically laughing. It takes me a second to figure it out, because it's so loud in here. But he's trying to stop me from stepping on two people who are right in front of him. They're flat on their backs in the middle of the aisle, and there's a blanket underneath them, like someone had been expecting them to fall right there. And I figured they're all together because all three of them, the two on the floor, and their laughing bodyguard guy here, are all wearing these special headsets. There's a lot of people here wearing headsets actually, the conference is being simultaneously translated into multiple different languages. Back in my hotel room, my third-story window gives me a real lay of the land. There's a steakhouse, a gas station, a park-and-fly. And and pretty much every couple minutes, these huge planes fly right past my window just seconds before they touch down. I start poring over the stack of books I've brought with me from the library back in Vancouver. That's where I live now. These books are everything I could find on the Toronto Blessing because before we get any deeper into what happened in Toronto, I wanna make sure I understand and that we're all on the same page about where this movement fits into the greater Christian church itself. Here's the guts of it. With over 2.4 billion followers, Christianity is by far the largest religion in the world. When it comes to core beliefs, all Christians believe that Jesus Christ was the son of God and that through his death, humanity could be saved from sin and eternal damnation. Pretty much. After that, with wildly varying beliefs, worship styles, and different rituals, Christianity gets broken down into three separate groups. Mainly, Eastern Orthodox, Catholic, and Protestant. The Toronto Blessing was a movement within the Protestant Church. Protestantism is a form of Christianity that started during the 16th century Reformation. That's when a priest named Martin Luther famously spread his belief that there were major faults in the Roman Catholic doctrine. One of the main faults that Martin Luther was really lit up about was how to get into heaven. Traditionally, Roman Catholics believed that you got there through faith and good deeds. But in those early 1500s, Luther started teaching that you could get there through faith alone. His new theories would become the basis for Protestantism. And after Catholicism, it remains the second largest form of Christianity to date. But even under that Protestant umbrella, Christianity gets broken down even more. That's where you get denominations like Baptist, Anglican, and Methodist. The Toronto Blessing started in the Vineyard denomination, which, like my Pentecostal church in Prince Rupert, can also be further categorized as both evangelical and charismatic. Now, I have personally owned these terms my entire life. I have always said I was raised in the charismatic church. I always knew we were evangelical Christians. But until now, until I started cracking all these books open on theology, on the history of religion, I only had a very vague idea about what those terms actually meant. Let's unpack them real quick starting with evangelical. A 2016 study found that there were more than 619 million evangelical Christians in the world. They believe you can become born again or saved from sin through pursuing a sort of personal relationship with Jesus Christ, inviting him into your heart. He's your dude. He rocks sandals and a cool beard. He's your best friend, but he's also your savior. The largest concentration of evangelicals are found in the United States, where they make up about 25% of the entire population. That also makes evangelicals the largest single religious group in the U.S. And many of them are super famous. Kanye West and his wife Kim Kardashian West. Evangelical. Canadian superstar Justin Bieber and his wife Hailey Bieber Baldwin. Evangelical. Growing pain star, Kirk Cameron, and his sister, Candace Cameron-Bure. Evangelical. And now, how about the far more intriguing term, charismatic? This is where things get really interesting. This is where we get right in the pocket of the world of the Toronto Blessing. According to the Pew Research Centre, charismatics make up about a quarter of the world's 2.4 billion Christians. Most notably, they believe in miracles and supernatural signs and wonders. Primarily, though, Charismatics believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's things like the ability to heal the sick with the laying on of hands, speaking in tongues, and the gift of prophecy. Three very curious practices we'll be exploring next episode. Heaven Bent returns right after this quick message.
3: Hello, my name is T.R. Post. I'm a missionary traveling street evangelist. I've been a Christian for nearly 28 years. I started hearing about the Toronto blessing in 1995.
1: T.R. Post is from the Twin Cities area in Minnesota, but he started making trips to Toronto when he heard about the revival that was reportedly happening there. He wound up documenting the sights and sounds of it on his VHS camcorder. That's how I found him, online. I saw a bunch of the videos that he'd posted up to YouTube.
3: Hello from Canada. This is TR Post. I'm standing outside one of my favorite places in the world where I've been attending their family party conference. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, by their fruits, you will know them. I can testify that God's doing miracles in his place. I lived in Toronto back in 1996. I attended services here almost every night.
1: It's worth noting that when TR says he attended services almost every night, he's not exaggerating at all. After the phenomenon started happening on January 20th, 1994, the church held nightly services except Mondays until 2006.
3: God did a lot of healing in my soul. In fact, the last night, God healed me of a nasal problem I had
1: since childhood. Through his collection of videos, TR Post gives us a candid view of some very unusual worship behaviors.
3: Take a drink.
0: <laughs> More drink. Hey! Whoa! Oh! Come up! Come up. It's, oh! it's 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Take a drink. Don't <laughs> stop. We definitely had a lot of
3: undignified people here. The party never ends.
1: So it's clear, and because the subject will be coming up again during this podcast, nobody's actually drinking anything when they're talking about being drunk in the spirit. It's purely a way to describe their drunken behavior and the intoxicating feeling of being, as they say, in the supernatural presence of the Holy Ghost.
3: Well, it was interesting. Back then, I didn't really experience a lot of the supernatural as far as dreams. or Well, God often speaks to me in dreams, but I, back then, until then, I didn't really have many visions. But I remember as I was sitting still in this room at this church in Toronto, this picture flashed through my mind of Yogi Bear with a lampshade on his head. Smarter than the average bear. And then the Lord gave me the revelation, which I shared after they asked for people to speak up. And the revelation the Lord gave me is that if we depend too much on our intellect, it'll block the light of God's spirit from shining into us. That's what the lampshade represented. It was blocking light from coming into Yogi Bear. Most of my life I've been a thinker, and so it spoke to me that, I mean, yes, God gave us a mind to use, but we're to be led by our spirit and not by our soul, which is our mind, will, and intellect. So...
1: There's a lot of Toronto Blessing followers, like TR Post, who hesitate to try and use their intellect or even logic to explain the phenomena they experienced. They are so firm in their belief that the Holy Spirit manifests itself in physical ways, what they believe is an outpouring of God's love for them.
3: For the remainder of this video, I'd like to share with you some people who are basically getting high on the most high. If you're one that's already in the river, if you've perhaps been here before and like to come back here again, well, this video I'm sure will be a blessing to you. If you're one of those who is skeptical of the blessing, I would just encourage you to watch this with an open mind and ask the Holy Spirit to minister to you through this video. And I pray that the Toronto Blessing will bless you no matter where in the world you happen to be watching. (laughs) Do I dare ask where you're from?
0: Ohio.
3: Ohio! Ohio! They're definitely getting high in Ohio. High on the most high.
1: In one of TR Post's videos, we see a small group of worshipers that have crowded around someone who's holding a gigantic ram's horn. It's really long and spirally, and it looks like it's been, I don't know, like it's been painted silver or something. After she blows the ram's horn, her knees sort of buckle and her arm holding the horn shoots straight up towards the ceiling. It's this very Care Bear Stare sort of moment, like some kind of energy force has bolted out of her or into her. I looked into it. It's called a shofar. It's an instrument that's traditionally used during Jewish high holidays, but according to several Christian media outlets, some pro-Israel evangelicals started incorporating it into their worship practices a few decades ago in an effort, they believed, to spiritually connect with Israel. Another form of worship documented by TR Post featured a bright orange and purple blow-up kiddies pool. Fun fact— this pool from the video, it looks like it's set up in the overflow section in the very same spot that I interviewed Jim Paul 20-something years later at the Revival 25 conference. It's a trip to even try and imagine all the wild things that have happened in this room during that time.
3: I'd like to share with you some footage of people who have learned to enjoy God's presence here. Here's a couple that's ready to do some serious
1: soaking. In this shot, your eye doesn't go immediately to the fluorescent pool. You can't help but see these two four-foot-high Muppets. They are fluorescent yellow ducks on marionette strings. One of them has a hat and sunglasses. These homemade, I don't know what you would call them, like worship puppets, they're being operated by the same woman who brought the pool, it looks like. And it's not entirely clear to me what the plans are for it. But we do hear more about the ducks. This is Paul and Silas, and Paul has shades on, because his eyes are
2: still
0: sore from the road to Damascus. He had a burning experience. And they, worship. they worship, we are not worshippers. The rocks will cry out. So that's why my ducks
2: are crying out for worshippers.
1: This woman and her puppets and the blow-up kiddie pool and all that, this is the kind of silliness that turned a lot of people away from the Toronto Blessing movement. But I think it's also part of what made a lot of people feel at home, at ease. Imagine being completely free and encouraged to follow your most unusual impulses.
2: everybody. My name is Melinda Fish, and I am uh, a pastor slash pastor's wife. I'm originally from Texas, and I've lived here in Pittsburgh area for 43 years. Now, my dogs might start barking. I have two little beach poos, and they're six and seven pounds, or teeny-weeny. Melinda Fish.
1: Her name's coming up a lot in my research. Looks like she was actively involved with the movement pretty much from the start. She didn't make it up for the Revival 25 conference, though, so we caught up online.
2: I used to be the editor of their magazine. I worked with Toronto, and I was closely involved for 14 years from, I guess, is 94. Yeah, 94 to 2008,
1: beginning of 2009. 25 years ago, Melinda Fish traveled from her home in the U.S. to Toronto to attend one of the first ever Toronto Blessing Services.
2: Well, we heard about it from people in the congregation to listen to the uh, one of the quote-unquote detractors <laughs> on the radio. And our first impression of it was Oh, please, not something else, skimpering across the body of Christ. And I thought, oh, no, not something else.
1: And so it was semi-negative, you know. Despite her apparently negative impression of what was happening in Toronto, Melinda and her husband made their first trip to the Toronto Airport Vineyard Church in November of 1994 close friend that she respected took a section of people off her massive Christmas card list and sent out a notice saying they had been and that they thought others should go.
2: And I thought, well, oh my goodness, Joanne and her husband are not, you know, nutty. (laughs) I said, maybe we should reconsider. Maybe this is something real. And when we walked in the door, oh my goodness, it was like walking into a wall of the presence of God.
1: At one point in the service, Melinda says the leaders asked everyone to stand up and stack their chairs.
2: We're just standing there helpless, cheerless, nowhere to run, no place to hide. And we're standing there a little innocently, and then they released the prayer team. Oh my goodness. And they were all kind of gyrations, shaking, and going like this. And and I thought, oh, God, don't let them touch me. I said, if they touch me, I'm going to cross over. And I'm going to become one of them. You know? <laughs> anyway, and so uh, that's the way you feel like there's something weird going on. And I'm about to become part of this horror movie. <laughs> but anyway, when the guy came and said, man, I pray for her, I felt like I said, I'm going to take her best shot <laughs> because I never go down. But he touched me. And then he just let go. But there was this presence. It was a pressure. I got the impression that God wanted me down. So I let go and I went down. I'm lying there and I, it feels like somebody's got up my feet, like they're holding on. And I had the distinct Auditory impression. Now, I'm not saying I heard a voice, but it's like the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of me was apparently saying, <laughs> I finally got you where I want you. And so when God speaks to you, it's life changing.
1: Coming up this season on Heaven Bends. And God knocked me out, and I got electrocuted. I thought
2: I was going to die. I said, this is it. I'm going to die right here in Toronto.
3: And they're they're falling out under the power of God. Elementary-age kids.
1: I don't want to be like these people. Don't make me like these people.
2: In Jesus' name,
1: thank you, Lord.
0: If God can turn water into wine, he can turn teeth into gold.
1: It's been a pretty long journey to sort of figure out what was real and what was pretend. Oh my God, I found it, I found it, I found it! Local Christians claim divine dentistry.
2: God makes the purest of the pure. He does the best of the best, always. Often,
1: this kind of community of Pentecostals connected with Toronto, so they'll pray with prayers of command.
0: Lord, I take authority over stomach problems. I take authority over...
1: I execute
0: judgment on you, COVID-19. It is over. And the United States of America is healed.